Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay, Young Vander, and Broja. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast. I hope you guys have had a great week. We are recording late night this week. This is just after the series is popping off in the NBA. So I'm a couple of body pops in um, just to keep it a buck. Uh, but we're going to have a good time. We're going to make sure that you get all the information that you need. We're going to make sure that you are very much entertained. And maybe we kind of peel back a couple of layers there uh, that you didn't quite think about before. But with that being said, I got my bros with me as always. Holla at the people, Young Vander. Fantasy Fiends, what's going on out there? And of course, I got my little bro, Bro Joe. Holla at the people, Bro Joe. What's going on, Fantasy Fiend family? All right, so... We're going to get you your news and we're going to get you your AFC North breakdown. Tons of info to get out to you as far as the AFC North is concerned because there are some very much relevant fantasy players as far as that division is concerned. And there may be a couple of guys that you aren't quite seeing their potential just yet. But we're going to go ahead and kick this thing off. Bonjour, Konnichiwa, Ola, Utentech, what's popping, good people? Let's get you started with your news. And now your fantasy news. Not a whole lot going on with the news uh, thus far this week. A couple of things that may not really be all that fantasy relevant until they are. It looks like Tom Brady is off the mend as far as his MCL is concerned. We have Rashad White sticking with Tampa Bay. This guy is a rookie who they're saying could make a sizable impact as a rookie. Dynasty players out there, Rashad White may be a guy that is still on your waivers. You know, keeping you in the know, Leonard normally has these, you know, little, you know, the ticky-tack injuries here and there and... You just never know when he may be out for any given amount of time. Although they do have Keyshawn Vaughn, Ronald Jones, who was in the doghouse most of the time, beat him out. So who knows whether or not Keyshawn Vaughn may be beat out by Rashad White. But that's just something to keep your eye out on. David Njoku signed a pretty hefty contract. Four-year, $56.75 million. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, but I, I see a little potential there, but he's never actually done much to deserve this kind of money. Like, what, what am I missing? I mean, I don't think you get paid on potential. I think you get paid on production in the NFL. I mean, he, he had like you, 400 yards last season. Season. He had uh that that doesn't he had like uh, 475 yards. Doesn't equate to isn't he like now he's up there near one of the highest paid in the league. He's not the highest. He's yeah. up there somewhere. So that doesn't equate to that. I mean, it's just another mistake in my in my opinion by the Cleveland Browns. They did the same thing a year or so ago when they made uh Hooper. Remember they gave Hooper that crazy deal. He came yeah. in. He didn't do made anything. him the highest paid tight end in the league. Right, yeah. and now they're just repeating the same thing. Like it doesn't make sense. This contract had to be front loaded or something to where. 
they probably just on the hook for maybe two years or something like that. There's no way. His guaranteed money got to be in the first couple of years. There's no way. He's a talent, but we haven't seen it. It's to the point where the Browns have messed up now the tight end market because now Wilder is saying, hey, see what that boy made? If he getting that. Right. Yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's going to be interesting. Sticking with the Browns, you have Anthony Swartz, who is right now making the Browns kind of stand pat as far as the wide receiver position is concerned. Uh, right now, he's in the mix for the wide receiver two role, which means that not even people's Jones may be sliding. So there's going to be a bit of a battle between those two guys to see what happens with the Cleveland Browns number two wide receiver position. But the Cleveland Browns are going to be sticking with the combination of Cooper, Swartz, and Donovan Peoples-Jones at wide receiver. Jerry Judy, charges are going to be dismissed from the DA. Um, so as we kind of talked about on previous episode, didn't really seem like there was much teeth to the incident that happened with Jerry Judy. Nothing to see here as far as that's concerned. He'll be fine. He'll There'll be no suspension. There'll be no, you know, nothing basically, as far as he's concerned. Now, one wide receiver that's in a new spot that the the coaches, the front office right now are a little bit perturbed <laughs> at this guy. Now, Sammy Watkins didn't show up to voluntary uh, OTA. So here's my thing, right? I, I kind of, I don't like the fact that anything that's supposed to be voluntary can put a sour taste in the coach's mouth about a player. Like if you want people to be, if you want me to show up to work, say, hey, these are your hours. These are the days you need to be there. Show up to work. But if you say it's voluntary and I done been in the league for X amount of years, and the quarterback from said team isn't showing up, so I won't be working on my chemistry with that guy. What's my motivation here? That, that's pretty. I, I'm pretty sure that's what Sammy Watkins is saying to himself as he doesn't show up to OTAs. But Matt Lafleur, his direct quote was, "I'm not comfortable with anyone not being here." So hey, you know that, that's one of those is what it is. But I don't know why. Why even? Why even call it voluntary if you're going to be upset with guys or put them right. in the doghouse for not showing up? I mean, I, I see where Sammy coming from. Just like most veterans, this is something that they just skip through. You know what I mean? But at the same time. Maybe he's coming from a, a lane where he wants you to get in and, and get the playbook down. Something like that. That's the only thing I could think of. Maybe he want him there to, to see to get the playbook down. Like you said, Aaron Rodgers is not there. So right now, Love is there, the number one, throwing around. So I don't know, man. Maybe hey, bro, we'll... hold up a second. Like you... Moving yeah. on to KJ Hamler, looks like he's going to be in practice. Uh, well, he was in practice on Tuesday. So the knee injury that he suffered, tearing his ACL looks like he is on the mend from that but he is in the right direction he's back on the field so KJ Hamler spoke of himself as wanting to be Russell Wilson's Tyler Lockett so he's he kind of sees the type of wide receiver that he is and the type of wide receiver that Russell Wilson has had great chemistry with he kind of sees himself in that kind of type of a role and Russell Wilson has stated that um the speed and combination of savvy route running that Hamler has will make him a valuable tool. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how all of the wide receivers in Denver are going to be utilized because until we actually see it, we can only assume who's going to get, you know, what amount of targets. And, you know, if you look at the two guys that are getting paid the most, that would be Sutton and Tim Patrick. But if you look at the guys that have, that kind of fit the role of that that has gotten the most production from a Russell Wilson type quarterback, that would be Judy and Hamler. So I think the the Broncos kind of have a good problem with the plethora of wide receivers that they have. And then also the tight ends that they have. But 
Um, KJ Hamler is on his way back from that knee injury and it's looking good. Yeah, I mean you can wanna Speak. be you can you can wanna be lock it, but like you said, this is a, a plethora of guys. Who knows who's gonna be what? You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be a wait and see type of approach, I think, to see who Russell really caters to most. In Seattle, you got Rashad Penny back at practice, so his hamstring injury didn't sideline him by too long. Looks like he's back in the fold. Don't quite know how that running back situation is going to work out. I would definitely say to keep Penny in mind if you're utilizing the zero running back type of a strategy. Um, he can be one of those guys that don't cost you very much, but has a very significant role, especially since how right now the only two guys of note that are in the backfield are Rashard Penny and Kenny Walker. We don't know what's going to happen with Carson, but he could be back for one practice and ends up getting a stinger and calling it a career. So I really wouldn't count on him being that much of a valuable part of that backfield. Looks like uh, Rogers is Aaron Rodgers. That is, is discussing retirement again. I honestly believe that Aaron Rodgers could retire after this year, depending on how bad that wide receiver court ends up being. I think he just wanted a way out. He's going to get quite a bit of money from playing just this year, and he was non-committal during the offseason as far as whether or not he wanted to retire anyway. So same as I felt last offseason, he's selfish, self-centered, and wants all the attention even now that he has signed the contract. But that's Aaron Rodgers' way. It's just a mockery. You know, I, I don't I, I don't even know. I didn't got words. I think, obviously – you should have took the opportunity when you were a free agent to make whatever moves you wanted to do that was necessary. And ultimately, you kind of got stuck with the team that you wanted to get stuck with. You took less money, well, took more money, and that caused Devontae to leave. And I don't see this being a 13 team, you know, 13 win team uh, going forward. So I don't know, man. It's, I don't care. I just want, I kind of absolve whether he's coming or going. Like, there's I, I, not much on that offense to leave a lot to be desired from him. Paris Campbell is getting opportunities in camp. He states that he's 100% healthy, and that would be a change since that hasn't been the case since he left the Ohio State Buckeyes. Hopefully everything works out for him this go-around, but it does look like he is healthy at the beginning of OTAs. Uh, moving on to your squad, Joe, no offense states that he is excited about the offense and that he sees things going well. Is this just kind of one of those, that's kind of what you got to say, or is there a possibility that the offense is going to surprise us? I actually like how Waldron moved the ball and how he orchestrated the offense um, in his time at the Rams, especially as a quality um, coach and as well as an offensive coordinator. What I can say is that without a quarterback, I, I can't, regardless of what how good it can look, I don't think we have enough right now to be a competitor. I think we'll, we'll be in some games, but I think it, it bodes well for Fant because he likes to focus the tight end. They do a lot of two tight end things, and he already has rapport with Locke, even though for the time being, from what we've heard, Gino is the guy, but... Uh, <laughs> I think the offense will eventually be good, but I'm not expecting too much this year. The Buffalo Bills hire another short, fast guy. I'm not sure if you guys heard about this, but Tavon Austin is now a Buffalo Bill. This, um, I'm not sure if maybe they just need a little bit more depth. 
as far as you know, camp is concerned and OTAs, just another couple of wide receivers to learn the offense should someone go down. Um, they already have Jamison Crowder, who's likely to lead the slot receiver duties. Um, they also have Isaiah McKenzie, who's backing him up. They have Marquez Stevenson, and they have Ricky Khalil Shakur, all fitting kind of a similar mode as far as style and stature. So maybe they they found, I guess, that with their offense, there's a certain type that just kind of fits the mold, and maybe they're trying to get as many of that type of wide receiver under the wing. So that way, you know, as the season goes on, you got a 18 game season and playoffs, you know, something's going to happen to somebody. So I, I guess that's kind of where they're coming from at the moment, but they just picked up yet another wide receiver. Uh, learning from experience. A lot of teams are going to come into training camp with seven to eight wide receivers just to spread the the reps around and to make sure all of the receivers, the pub throw receivers or any skill position um, is a little bit healthier and not exposed to much injury. We already know with these three uh, preseason games, it's heavy evaluation because there's no longer that fourth game. So uh, he's just a body. You know, most of these people are going to be a body. But like you said, in a similar mode too, in case anything happens, he's already versed in that offense for week one. Now, here's a guy for a deep dynasty stash. Joe, you may know this guy. He may not even be on your radar. But the Nevada native, Romeo Dubs, is apparently impressing at Green Bay camp. The reason why this is kind of important is because as of right now, they really don't have much of a wide receiver depth chart. Um, but according to GM Brian Gutekinds, um, he, he can't stop raving about the fourth round pick. He, he has height. He's really fast, a big playmaker, and they kind of see him having a pivotal role as long as things continue to trend in this particular direction. So are you familiar with uh, Dubs, Romeo Dubs from Nevada? Yeah, I remember Dubs a little bit. I like him. I mean, uh, I was hearing a little bit about him and Christian Watson, uh, Watson uh, doing really good in camp. He reminds me of Randall Cobbs going back to Romeo. Uh, oh, so okay. I, yeah, he's he just he's really really route savvy, really explosive. But we said the same thing about Amari Rogers, so that's the only hesitation. True. You know what I mean, like I don't know because last year Amari Rogers was that prototypical guy too, and we didn't see it translate to the field. And we already know once you get down to their fourth receiver, their role in the offense is next to none. So it's to be seen. I can't say what he'll do, but in a place of skill position where you got Rand. Cobb, Watkins, and Artie Watson, as well as the tight end. We got to keep him on our radar, like you said, most definitely. I read something this morning that, that kind of concerns me as far as the New England Patriots are concerned. As of right now, it looks like we are kind of flipping the playbook a little bit, and we are going in a slightly different direction as far as the offense is concerned. The reason this concerns me so much is the fact that it takes away continuity at the quarterback and wide receiver position. And moreover, we don't have an offensive coordinator. So why not just stick with what everyone is familiar with when you actually don't have the guy who is, I won't say necessarily capable, but the guy who is used to in installing an offense in a single offseason and making it run fluently. All the guys that we have there now are out of position as far as coaching is concerned, other than Bill Belichick, obviously. 
But even with him, he's a high level overview guy that knows all the details, but you can't really have the high level overview when you have to focus on the offense because you have a defensive coordinator and a failed special team specialist attempting to run your offense. So I don't know. It it feels like we have the pieces to be able to do something special. And when I say special, I mean, be above where people see us, Uh, be above where Vegas has us as a win total, if you will. It's going to be a hard hill to climb without, an actual offensive coordinator. It was a hard hill to climb last year with an actual with the um, offensive coordinator. So that's going to be a very intimidating situation we're walking into when you have, you know, Buffalo who's been on their trajectory for a few years now. You have the Miami Dolphins who are solidifying their identity and they've brought in a few pieces that are going to hopefully be able to put up some points there. So. I don't know. It's it's just going to be very nerve wracking kind of with those first few weeks. Yeah, I can agree. I mean, it we haven't heard it in football to where there's no offensive uh, like coordinator with offensive experience on the side of the ball. Typically, you can see special teams where a defensive coordinator goes from a defensive coordinator to special teams and vice versa, but no offensive like presence whatsoever on the offensive side of the ball. It, it leaves a lot to be concerned, and I don't know like what they're gonna look to do in this offense, or is it one of those situations where the meadow already is the McDaniel's, is the Charlie Weiss, is you know everybody else? It's like the concept, the concept or the structure of the playbook is intact. Everybody just install or do their own interpretations of it. I don't know what it is to where they feel this confident not having an OC. But from what I'm understanding, that's that's what Bill does in most cases. He doesn't have a set person in a set role, which is different. It is what it is. So in Arizona, Kyler Murray is expected to make his offseason debut here pretty soon. Didn't think he was actually going to show up the OTAs, but it looks like he's going to take the more subtle route to get his contract situation taken care of versus you know taking my ball and go home route. So good for him as far as that's concerned. I think that's actually going to go a long way with the front office with him showing up at OTAs. So a guy that showed up to OTAs and it didn't quite work out so well for him. Wide receiver Amir Smith-Marset with the Minnesota Vikings, who by all accounts should be their third wide receiver. I mean, it looks like he's dealing with a lower leg injury. He's going to be out the rest of the spring due to this injury. So we'll kind of see what happens there. But he's one of those guys at the far deep end of a dynasty league depth chart, but has the the talent that if and when Thielen is no longer around, he may become a significant part of that particular team's structure. DeAndre Swift looks like uh, they're stating that he's looking like he's bulked up quite a bit to hopefully take on the hits that he has to take on as a running back in the NFL. He doesn't want to get that moniker of being injury prone. So he's doing everything that he possibly can in the offseason to make sure that he can withstand the uh, the torture, if you will, that uh, is the life of a running back. I'm not sure if that's bad, good, or indifferent. A lot of times when you bulk up like that, you, you lose a bit of your speed and, and quickness. So, I mean, you're a little bit closer to the actual game, if you will, as far as this sort of thing is concerned. What, what, what do you think this means as far as a running back is concerned? Um, they said he put on uh, 
somewhere in the neighborhood of like 10 to 13 pounds of supposed muscle. This is Najee Harris, correct? No, no, no. This is DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift. And I, I, I saw the, the, the article that you saw with Najee Harris. I think they said he, he, he went up to like 244 pounds, put on like 15 pounds of muscle or something like that. I saw that too. So I guess we can talk. We can kind of tackle both of them within one right. fell swoop of what this means well, to running back. As far as Swift, have you seen his dad? No, huh? Did he his, play? Did he play in the NFL as well? Nah, but his dad looked like he he did twenty five years in San Quentin. I mean, <laughs> okay, the, yeah, he liked that. You know what I mean? So I'm not surprised if if he bulked up and put on some good weight because I think I actually think his dad owns a, a gym. But gotcha. his dad, his dad is huge. You know what I mean? So. I definitely can see him gaining some weight. It's kind of, to me, people are like, oh, I put on 15 pounds of muscle. Mm, did you really? I think 15 pounds of muscle is hard to put on in such little time unless you know you're doing some PEDs. But um, and not saying he is, but for, for him, I think it'd be good weight. I'm, I'm fine. As far as um, Harris, that I'm not too certain of. It's been a little question mark with that. I'm not sure how that weight will affect him. I mean, he's like Jerome Bettis' size right now. They're saying so. Mm. I don't know. I'm not. I was going to affect his speed, or you know, hope it's not another Eddie Lacy type of deal where you eat your way out the league. You know what I mean? So hope these guys are, are knowing what they're doing with, with tacking on tacking on his weight. We had Ryan Fitzpatrick who retired from the NFL. He was one of those gunslingers that kind of made a lot of wide receivers fantasy relevant. I made himself fantasy relevant in many years as well. So a farewell to one Mr. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tua Tungvaloa and Hill are going back and forth whispering sweet nothings. And, you know, it's just I don't really tend to take much away from camps where they say that things are going great. When they say that things are going horribly, my ears perk up. Anytime it's just not failing, who's going to come out complaining already about the year that hasn't started yet? So I'll leave that to uh, those two gentlemen to kind of, you know, hold hands and get to know each other a little bit better. But I don't take any stock in anything that's going on in camp right now. The few videos that I saw, I saw the same tour that I've seen previously. So I really don't care too much about, you know, the shorts game that you you know threw a decent pass and he actually caught the ball it's mm, neither here nor there for me now i do believe with that being said i do actually believe that based on where Tua is being drafted his average draft position i actually believe he's he's going to end up being quite a bit of a value and he is going to improve based upon you know having better weapons and also based upon having a little bit more experience in the league. So I do believe he's kind of getting the raw end of the deal as far as what we see him fantasy-wise based on thinking about the fact that he came in off of that terrible hip injury and that was a COVID year, that there was no offseason. And, you know, a lot of things just didn't click. So I, I do believe he's going to make a couple of moves in his maturation process, but I still don't believe that, he's, that he and Hill are going to be on any type of a level that's going to make either one of them someone that you have confidence in every single week of the of, of the season. So with that being said, I mean, where do you have Tyreek Hill ranked now as a wide receiver? I think Tyreek Hill is going to end up being just outside of the top 10. I think week to week, he can win you a week, but he's going to lose you several weeks as well. That That's that's just what I... And, and, and it's not going to be because he's lost anything, but... 
I, I just don't see Tua being able to string those games together week over week. And not, not to mention the fact that I don't know that he's going to be asked to do so. It, with this new system, it's going to be predicated upon the run, and they have plenty of running backs to get it done. So I, I know for certain Hill won't be asked to do what he did with Kansas City, and Tua won't, ask, won't be asked to be Patrick Mahomes. I think they'll fill in as far as their roles on the team are concerned, but I think they'll be drastically different than what people may think they're going to be. Sterling Shepard, who is coming along in his recovery right now, the New York Giants have a few decisions to make as far as who they're going to keep, who they're going to cut. Sterling Shepard is the slot receiver, and currently they're kind of shopping him around they were shopping around Kadarius tony they were also shopping around slayton so i think basically whoever is willing to take any of their wide receivers they'll get rid of whichever one you're willing to give them an offer that they feel is fair i guess or decent for said wide receiver that's going to be interesting to kind of see what they end up doing with the wide receiver spot there Kareem Hunt still has a role as far as Cleveland Cavaliers are concerned. The reason that this is being brought up right now is because Cleveland Cavaliers. Did I say Cavaliers? (laughs) (laughs) The Cleveland Browns. (laughs) As far as the Cleveland Browns are concerned, Kareem Hunt still has a role right now, although they do kind of have a surplus of running backs. The reason that this is even making the news is the fact that he is in the last year of his deal. And they really aren't having very many talks as far as a contract extension is concerned. They do have Dearness Johnson in the backfield, and then they drafted a running back as well, Jerome Ford. So Cleveland kind of has that backfield kind of sewn up right now, but they're basically saying that Hunt will still have a role. This kind of concerns me for anyone that thinks that Hunt is just going to be the normal handcuff or backup to to Chubb that he's always been, I would kind of be leery of the backfield, especially not knowing about the suspension of Watson just yet. If Jacoby Brissett is your quarterback and you're leaning on the run, then maybe there's going to be enough carries for both Chubb and uh, Hunt to you know, get it in. And we already saw when given the opportunity last year what Dearness Johnson was capable of doing. So I can see this being a full-on committee, especially if Watson is going to be out for any significant amount of time, which to wrap up the news, we'll go to our weekly saga of Deshaun Watson. There's now, I believe, a 24th complainant as far as this case is concerned. I don't know that that makes it any more or less significant at this point. I mean, if you were done with them at 22, then you're still done with them at 24. And if 22 didn't really bother you, 24 isn't going to really bother you. Um, The one story that did come out that I found kind of interesting was the fact that the owner of the massage parlor or whatever you want to call it, that most of these young ladies uh, were working for, Deshaun Watson apparently paid her like five grand just because how, well, let me give you her quote because he's a nice guy. I guess all I can say is pimping ain't easy, because that's what it's sounding like to me. I do digress. Um, whatever happened there, I it, it almost feels like this story is the most believable one that's coming out right now, because most of the other stuff that came out just didn't. There was a few T's that weren't crossed and I's that weren't dotted for me. 
So that's just kind of where I am. When, when, when two grand juries say there's not even enough evidence here to bring this to trial, and then you come to find out that the owner of the establishment was getting paid under the table just because he was a nice guy, I, I, I don't know what that spells exactly, but no bueno. Yeah, I mean, what you can't prove. I mean, he maybe he is a nice guy. You know what I mean? Maybe he is. You can't say what the money was for if the person didn't come out and, and say it. You know what I mean? So, hey, I see nothing here, man. Let's just keep moving along. And that about wraps up the news for this week. We're going to go ahead and get into the AFC North breakdown. All right, first up, the Baltimore Ravens. Now, with this squad, they have some major attractions, and then there's some major deficiencies as well. We're going to start out with those deficiencies, which are at the wide receiver position, in my humble opinion. Uh, right now, the number one wide receiver is Rashad Bateman. You have Devin DuVernay backing him up, along with James Prochet as the slot guy currently. Obviously, you have one Mr. Lamar Jackson at quarterback. At running back, you have J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Mike Davis, Justice Hill is still on the roster, and now you have the rookie, Tyler Batty, as well. So they made sure that they aren't going to run into the same or similar scenario that they ran into on last year as far as running out of running backs because that offense is most definitely predicated on the running game. Uh, what stands out to me as far as Baltimore is concerned, Mark Andrews is still their number one wide receiver. Barring injury, Lamar Jackson may be a fantasy stud just based on the amount of running yards that he's going to have to accumulate to kind of keep this team above water. He's also on a contract year, so I kind of feel like he's going to want to try to go out there and duplicate his MVP season or get somewhere as close to that as possible. But as far as J.K. Dobbins is concerned, where he's been drafted and the fact that they run the ball so much, I can definitely see him being a value. Um, but he's not someone that I would kind of, you know, go out of my way to get higher than he should be drafted. What? Y'all not on the J.K. Dobbins train no more? It's crazy. No, the, don't get me wrong. That's my guy. I'm just saying I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out of my way to get him. But where he's been drafted right now, he's a value. So he's almost guaranteed to be on several of my redraft teams, just because I'm not gonna go for. Well, unless I'm picking within the first, I would say three to four picks, I'm probably gonna end up going with best wide receiver on the board, which is probably gonna be one of the best wide receivers on the board if I'm at the, the back end of the first. And then, um, you know, I, I may just stack up a, a Cooper Cup and a, you know, Jamar Chase or a Cooper Cup and a Justin Jefferson and not even care about my wide receiver three position and then end up with a J.K. Dobbins type guy as a starting running back. And if things do go according to plan and he does get RB1 type numbers, which in this offense, it's possible just because of the volume in which they're going to be running the ball, then you have yourself what amounts to three number ones, and you might have been able to you might have been able to get J.K. in the you know fifth round or something like that. Now my my old strategies are now becoming the the new wave. Things I've been doing ten years ago. Looking at this team, man, uh, 
it's no different than any other Raven team in the past. Uh, the wide receiver core is not strong to me. I know a lot of people are going to be are big on Rashad Bateman. Me, not so much yet because I'm not sure how he's going to – is he a number one wide receiver? I mean, his team already has a little uh, issues with throwing the ball already, and I'm not sure if he's ready to be the number one guy. It does seem like this team is in need of another wide receiver. I'm thinking maybe a Julio Jones would be a good addition to the squad. There's that a rumor out there about that right now that he may end up joining Baltimore sometime within the next couple of days, actually. Yeah, so that, that makes sense to me. Because right now this team is run, 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 Mark Andrews, run, 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 Mark Andrews. As far as fantasy, like Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews are really the only guys that I love. Even though J.K. Dobbins is cool, this seems like it could possibly be a committee with the addition of Mike Davis. Uh, you still have Gus Edwards in the fold. Uh, they even still have Justice Hill. The two guys, again, I like on this team is Lamar and Mark Andrews when it comes to the fantasy implications of it right now. Completely agree. All right, Joe, so what is your outlook on the Baltimore Ravens situation? So with the Ravens, I'm actually quite intrigued. My biggest question mark is what Lamar we're going to get uh, on the team. I think he returns to form as far as his running presence, obviously. I think last year, to me, they kind of tinkered off a little bit, but it was due to a lot of injury. But I think he'll definitely be in that conversation as the top five uh, fantasy quarterback. He has to be in order for him to win his division that's now stacked. As you already know, I'm huge on J.K. Dobbins. I think, like like I said in a prior show, I'm just going to really hope everybody buy into this. He's hurt and all these different injuries because they went and got Mike Davis and all this hyperbole and spectacle because this guy is going to return back to form and I see him from probably week two, week three on uh, performing at a high level. So I can't wait for that. Gus Edwards, I think he is out of the two. He's truly one of those people that's going to be kind of fairly limited. Turning my attention to the wide receiver core, Rashad Bateman. I think he's another person that's going to go heavily underrated. But he was already touted a very mature receiver coming out of college. He didn't know less than deliver. Everybody has to keep in mind that the Ravens don't pass typically a lot. So you'll look at him like, oh, well, he did subpar, but they also lead the league in rushing every single year. So for what he's able to do, I think he can slide into a wide receiver one with no problem at all. And Devin Duvernay, somebody I kind of liked coming out of Texas, I don't I don't think they're going to ask a lot out of him other, outside of what he's been doing. He's going to kind of go into the Hollywood role where it's like he's going to be that bang-bang play. He's going to be – that 40, 50-yard play they're going to be expecting out of him. So that's obvious uh, to what his role is going to be. And then all the other receivers are just a spectacle. So that's what I got on them. Uh, I really – I think obviously we know what we get out of Mark Andrews. And we know, you know, he's not challenging this offense whatsoever. Next up we have the Cincinnati Bengals. The opposite end, <laughs> as far as wide receivers are concerned, they, they may just have the best trio of wide receivers in the league. And, and I don't mean that in a hyperbolic way. Like, I, I don't really know if there's a better wide receiving core between Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, literally in the entirety of the NFL right now. Joe Burrow is obviously at the helm at quarterback. 
You have Joe Mixon, Shamaja P. Ryan, and Chris Evans as far as running back is concerned. And then you have Hayden Hurst at tight end with Drew Sample backing him up. We keep talking about the zero tight end strategy. In this particular offense, there's plenty of passing. And the guys that are going to have the most focus are going to be those wide receivers, which may leave Hayden Hurst wide open. It's going to be interesting to see how that works out. But Joe Mixon, another guy who was a top-notch running back on last year, still doesn't quite get the props that he should. When we look at the fact that their offensive line was in shambles and he still managed to be a top-five running back, and now they went out and got some big nasties that are way better, than anything they ever had maybe joe mixon might just be that dude this year Um, joe mixon might be the running back that i go after if i go wide receiver with my first round pick because i really believe that he can end up being one of those guys that ends up being a lot i I, I would say i think you you can maybe get joe mixon in what the third round now and i I think he'll end up being a first round talent i don't know i doubt it I mean, Joe Mixon did. Joe Mixon did finish third overall last year. I agree. So, which he, is why it surprises me that 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 other running backs are going before him. You got, I mean, of course, um, you got Derrick Henry, but the injury with well, him. you got Derrick Henry, um, the be, first running back going. Obviously, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Well, he but, finished first. Um, right, right, <laughs> exactly. So, but um, right now, the number two running back off the board is Christian McCaffrey, and then. We don't know what's going to happen with Kamara as far as the suspension, uh, but people are picking Kamara over Mixon. Uh, really? Right now, I guess they're because there isn't a suspension. I don't know. But people are actually doing that. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now, now, granted, it's quite early. You know, things may kind of take a turn. Um, there were a couple other running backs. The only two guys yeah. I can think of is well, I'm gonna say maybe four guys because I mean, two actually finished in front of him. The number one and number two guy, Eckler and Taylor. And then Henry McCaffrey, based on the injuries. And people know these guys are usually top two guys as well. But after those four guys, I mean, you got to take Mixon. I don't see anybody else that you can take right there to me. I completely agree with you. Maybe even a Dalvin Cook, though. Don't forget about him. For me, just for me, I would take Mixon over Dalvin Cook all day. Just based on just based on the offense. I, I don't see how they don't have more goal line opportunity than several of the other teams out there that they're going to be just because of that passing attack they're going to be right where they want to be as far as that goal line is concerned or that red zone is concerned i definitely feel on that but that this minnesota team may be a little different this year with the new guy he's coming from the rams so maybe they'll bring that style of offense over here maybe cook will get some um a little more love but looking at this team man uh of course, man, you start off with the number one guy, Jamar Chase, who's very well, arguably a top three wide receiver right now. He's coming to his second year. A lot of times, second-year wide receivers, they just explode. And if he explodes, then shh, what do we got? You know what I mean? Going off the first year that he, uh, first year of success he's had. T. Higgins, he's a guy that seems like he's falling in between, uh, I see in between 12 to 15 as far as ranking. So he's ranked pretty high. He definitely showed up, kind of took, kind of put Tyler Boyd to the back, you know, when it comes to those wide receivers. Again, Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, all these guys that I love as far as fancy implications. 
Tyler Boyd, if you're in a deeper league, he can help you some weeks. He's going to have a good game. And then a lot of games, he's going to disappear. Hayden Hurst is bought in. He's a great run blocker. I'm not sure how many opportunities he's going to get to catch the ball, even though he can catch. Um, but definitely if you're in a zero tight end, he may be a guy that's staring at you at any of your draft that you'll be able to pick with that last pick. So I do feel you on that. They did what I what I felt impressed by what we covered on the show prior to. They really revamped this offensive line and they got some hitters. The interior offensive line is not a cause for concern on this team. So we already know Joe Mixon is stock up now. Every year we get in that trap with him where we're like, we don't know, we don't know. But last year he played to expectation. He played above the expectation. And now with the even better offensive line, the sky's the limits for him. Same thing with Joe Burrow. They have to. They had to get rid of this issue with sacks. They had to get rid of this issue of him being left vulnerable, uh, susceptible to injury. So they did just that. Uh, turning to wide receiver, we are. I feel like we have to remember Jamar Chase is going to be twenty-one, if I'm not mistaken, coming to league year. He came on the scene at nineteen years old into the NFL. So we have to realize his ceiling is much prime. higher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he, not yeah. in his prime. He's going to have the advantage of coming into his second year at the NFL, already the top dog, already an apex in the wide receiver uh, core. So I expect huge, a huge jump from him because even in the Super Bowl, he was getting open. This man was getting frustrated at times because he wasn't getting the ball. He was clearly open. I think he's going to add to his route tree. And I'm, I'm going to target him. He's one of those guys you might have to go and get him around sooner than what you're projecting. T. Higgins, love T, but obviously the shoulder is going to be a cause for concern, but it won't drop his ADP not a bit. I actually would look at just Chase. T. Higgins is a good wide receiver too, but I'm not going to force it with him because this target shot thing is going to play out a little bit different because Tyler Boyd, I feel like early in the season, schematically, they just ran a verticals concept to get them uh, him and Jamar open. And Tyler Boyd uh, was really covered up by in the Zuma shadow. But with a Hayden Hurst, that's going to give him that many more targets to be explosive. So I want to pick which one out of the two. And like I said, Hayden Hurst is a blocker. So that's what I got on the Bengals. Huge things. Like I said, I'm going I'm to pick out of this um, group a lot, especially between Mixon and Jamar Chase. With Burrow, it's going to be one of the things. I wouldn't be surprised if Burrow goes in a, the anywhere between the second to fifth round. Somebody's going to get on him early this year. If you're in a 2QB league, that, that's the only time I would ever suggest going QB early, even for the you know the better QBs, because even some of the, the middle-grade guys have a QB one weeks. But we'll, we'll kind of get into that a little bit later into the offseason as far as the best way to structure teams. But I can completely see, barring injury, Joe Burrow being one of those guys that holds it in the road for you every single week of the season and then there's going to be those weeks where he has those blow-up games as well so unlike some others where you know it's a dr jekyll and mr hyde it's it'll be some weeks he's great some weeks he's greater next up we have the cleveland browns now the cleveland browns are kind of in flux right now we brought up earlier we don't exactly know what the situation is going to be as far as the quarterback is concerned because we have no clue how long the suspension what Deshaun Watson may end up being. Right now, Baker Mayfield is still on the team. They're either going to end up cutting him or going to end up paying the vast majority of his salary. It seems like Seattle, Pittsburgh, Carolina, and a couple of other teams that probably aren't you know, showing their hand would be more than happy to take 
Baker Mayfield on as long as long as it's on kind of like their terms, if you will. So that's going to be interesting to see how that ends up working out. But at wide receiver, you have Amari Cooper as the number one receiver. Right now on the depth chart, you still have Donovan Peoples-Jones as the number two with Anthony Swartz backing up Amari Cooper. As we stated earlier, that Swartz and Peoples-Jones situation is kind of uh, in flux. You have the rookie David Bell is currently set up to be the slot receiver. So that's another guy for you dynasty guys that are looking for some hidden gems. The coaching staff is already talking about David Bell and been impressed with he is going to be able to bring to the table. So that may be a guy that is currently on your waiver wire. At running back, you have Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson, the rookie Jerome Ford. You also still have uh, Felton as well. So they have quite a bit of running backs. And they they still have a, um, a fullback employed on the roster as well, which is kind of out of the ordinary for today's football. But Johnny uh, Stanton is on the roster as well. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is a, uh, is, a, is, a, is a journeyman. I believe he can keep you afloat. He can give you a 500 record maybe. But if Deshaun Watson ends up getting suspended for the year or anything more than I would say eight to 10 games, I don't think they're going to actually be able to stay afloat, which in all honesty may not necessarily be bad for them long term. Because if you give this team with Deshaun Watson next year a high draft pick, that may be all she wrote for that division. Um, and then you also at tight end have David and Joku, who we spoke about earlier, also Harrison Bryant. So they kind of have all the tools that they need to be uh, very significant in the world of fantasy and in the world of the NFL. We're just waiting for that domino to fall as far as the NFL is concerned with this suspension. Like you said before, it's all about Watson. What happens without Watson? I'm not a fan of these pass catches as I would be if he were there, uh, even Amari Cooper. I'm not sure how much I would like Amari with Jacoby Brissett. I think if Jacoby Brissett is the starter, um, they may lean on the run game. So Absolutely. definitely um, I could see Chubb and both him and Kareem Hunt being top 10 running backs because Kareem Hunt still gets his carries in his offense, even a lot of red zone carries. He catches a lot of balls out the backfield. He does a lot of damage with very little work. And the same thing for Chubb. He does a lot of damage with very little work. So I think they'll continue to run the ball and split carries between those two guys. Um, as far as fantasy implications, those are the only two guys that I like on this team if Brissett is the quarterback. I'm not even a fan of Mari Cooper. I think it drops him a level tier with Brissett. I mean, in my opinion, he'd be maybe a, a wide receiver three. You know what I mean? I hate to say that about him, but percent I don't I don't really see it so um, as far as fantasy implications again it all depends if uh, Deshaun Watson would be there at the helm as far as the Cleveland Browns are concerned what's on your mind about them Joe so with Cleveland I'm really enthusiastic about this team I'm quite sure with Deshaun Watson it's speculative you know whether or not he'll miss games whether or not he does but I think in a positive way it might help us in redraft in a sense where you might get you. I would take a chance on him two or three rounds after. So I don't know his projected ADP stands today. I'm still putting my board together, 
But say, for example, he's going in the ninth round. If he's there in the 10th round or 11th round, that's a smash for me. He's a, he's going to yield me a higher return in fantasy than most quarterbacks. I think he's ready to go. Uh, he was somebody that I watched during his suspension. He was still throwing. He was still meeting up with people. He was still doing organized activities with receivers and uh, in these high-profile facilities training. So he didn't take him regressed because of what his off-the-field issues. So that really bodes well for obvious selection of Deshaun Watson. Uh, with his presence, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. This whole, well, Nick Chubb, we got to speak to Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb's going to have an impressive year. He's always going to have a good year in fantasy. But my God, does he have some goddamn good backups behind him from Kareem Hunt to Ernest Johnson and now Jerome Ford in the mix. I don't know what that says about anybody in the depth chart, but to draft Jerome Ford and they all have a similar skill set is kind of crazy to me. Like this says Hunt's out the door this year. Yeah, exactly. I think I think that's kind of pointing to that more than anything because Jerome Ford is a very explosive running back. He's very uh, great. Like I said, he fits the mode of Kareem and Darius Johnson quite perfectly. So I think, like you said, the writing's on the wall when you draft a guy with a similar skill set. Um, going to David and Joku, I think, and uh, obviously I got to point out. Brian Harrison, or Harrison Bryant, rather. And Joko's going to have a good year. They're going to always feature the two tight ends. That's one of the staples of this offense. But Njoku should have a better presence. I feel like if he could round himself out to be a great wide receiver from 20 to 20, then we will we'll get a big return in our investment. But that's the thing. We, we've known him to be like a red zone guy, a third down guy. He's not someone that's continuously involved in the offense. And he'll be pushed by uh, Harrison Bryant. I was saying that early on, and I, hopefully I said it on the show and not just in our dynasty league. But Harrison Bryant is the reason why uh, Hooper had to go. This kid is a bona fide stud at tight end. He reminds me of Kyle Rudolph. He kind of had – but. I wish I had a uh, Heath Miller, you know, going back to like the Ravens kind of thing. Like this guy is like a really tactician kind of a player. And we've seen him in the red zone capitalize time and time and time again with spectacular catch ability. So he's someone for dynasty, which I'll tell somebody, David and Joko, I don't, I think if he's injured, I don't think he gets his job back. That's how confident I'm in this young man going to the wide receivers. Amari Cooper, man, like, I think this is a perfect space for him. All these wide receivers are in a phenomenal position. I think it is possible you can possibly get three, close to 3,000-yard receivers. Amari, I think, is a, is schematically, this is the best offense for him. It's the best pairing with Deshaun Watson. I would love to have a, a stack with them in, in Dynasty. That would be beautiful. I think Amari has 10 touchdown upside. Going to DPJ. Um, like I told you before, and I'm, I'm going to say it if the listeners haven't heard it. To me, this is Julio Jones, in my personal opinion. He's explosive. He's just he's just very physical, very young receiver going into his third year in the league. And again, he had Baker throwing to him. And we, we, we gotta, as much as he progressed season to season, he also is held back by the progressions and the, mis, you know, the underwhelming p- performance by Baker Millfield. We've seen it happen with OBJ where he's covered up in this offense. He's covered up in this offense. He goes to the Rams and he goes off and has, you know, an amazing second half of the season. Well, look at DPJ as somebody who was targeted as a deep threat, but he wasn't asked to do more than he's capable of doing. And he's just a freakish athlete that's going to be paired with Deshaun. 
But yeah, I look at I look for uh, DBJ to be heavily involved. But let me touch on David Bell because I want our listeners to really get acclimated with this name. This kid, and I don't want to, you know, me. I'm always overly enthusiastic about rookies, so I don't want to put too much on someone that somebody overly pursues somebody. But if you're looking for upside, David Bell has a Godwin type of esque game to him. This kid is he can play all three positions, uh, wide receiver. He's such a good route runner. He knows he's very route savvy. This kid is really good. I think he like he could, in my honest opinion, I gotta be transparent. And depending on as well as he play, he could possibly be the second best wide receiver as far as productivity relative to fantasy on the team. I think he's gonna be moved around from the slot and then outside receiver. So much like a Michael Gallup as far as like how he'll be utilizing his offense. But I think that's somebody for a team um, in Dynasty. You definitely want to have him on your team. You want to definitely have him for the long term. But as far as redraft, he's somebody you just put on your watch list. Put him on your watch list. If something happened to Amari, which it's prone to do, it's prone to happen. You already know, boom, I'm going to go get David Bell because he's going to give you production day one to some opacity. And it gets even more if Amari isn't on the field. You know, he's already on the squad in our dynasty. Who got so him? Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, you can't go pick him up because I was so uh, looking at him or attempting to see who I might have on the tail end of my bench to move him out of the way. But And the reason that I'm looking at that is because Jacoby Brissett, who will be the quarterback for at least the first several weeks, he's more likely to hit the slot receiver than he is to hit the outside receivers. And once Bell kind of has an opportunity to show, you know, what, what he's capable of doing, he may solidify a carved out role there in that offense. So we'll kind of know what's what after the first couple of weeks. But definitely for Dynasty, one of those guys that you can put at the tail end of the bench, see what happens. The last team in the division is the Pittsburgh Steelers. With this team, it's going to go the way of the quarterback. Whether that's going to be Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, we don't quite know just yet. But they have a plethora of wide receivers to throw to. Uh, Deontay Johnson being the number one receiver. Chase Claypool currently number two on the depth chart. But uh, his job is going to be in peril with George Pickens being on the team. And um. The team is already very much impressed with Pickens and Claypool has had a few laps of judgment and, you know, a few, you know, just things that kind of rub the coach the wrong way. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. They have Anthony Miller still, as well as Miles Boykin, who they got from the division rival from the Ravens. At running back, they have Najee Harris. Um, now, they're one of the only teams right now that still have the the true bell cow type system at running back. So the handcuffs in this situation are only valuable normally if Najee Harris is to get hurt. But you have Benny Snell still on the team. And Anthony McFarland is more of a third down type of a back, scat back type of a guy. But um, at tight end, you also have the – Guy going into a sophomore season when Mr. Pat Fryer moved, he's going to be another one of those guys that you can get a little bit later on at tight end that does have the capability to kind of shoot up the ranks there, um, especially if regardless of whether it's Kenny Pickett or Mitchell Trubisky at the helm, he's going to be one of those guys that are going to be a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage that you can get the ball to and kind of get a little bit more comfortable with. 
he kind of may end up being a security blanket for you know one of these quarterbacks. Uh, we'll, we'll know a little bit more going into the preseason of what that's going to look like. But between Pat Fryermuth and Najee Harris, you know, those are going to kind of be the check down guys. And we can possibly see more check downs in this offense just because it's a stay on schedule, run the ball, heavy on defense type of a situation. So it's going to be interesting to see whether or not Mitchell Trubisky can hold on to the job, at least for this year. The scuttlebutt going around right now is that Mitchell Trubisky is, is implanted unless something just breathtaking happens in the preseason. They kind of want to give Kenny Pickett the opportunity to come along at his own pace, but they won't be hesitant to put him in there whenever they feel he's ready, but they do want to give him a little bit of time to come along. But what do you have on Pittsburgh? Well, first, I don't think Kenny Pickett is going to see the field. I do think this is going to be Mitchell Trubisky's job. I'm definitely interested to see how he plays. They have a, a good bit of weapons. I like Deontay Johnson. I like Claypool. I know he had some mental breaks last year. Reading reports, they said they really want to get him involved a lot more. Doing, you know, He's moving around the offense a lot. He's kind of learning all the positions. So you see him move around a lot in the offense. He played the X to Z, and also he'd be in the slot. So he's going to be moving around a good bit. He's actually, You actually may see him do a little more of those jet sweeps like they've been doing in years past with him as well. He's a big yeah. body, but he runs pretty well with the ball in his hand. I do love Pat Firemuth. Uh, this is a really good tight end. I think he's going to have some tight end one weeks, but he's probably on a, more of a tight end too in comparison to you know the other guys ahead of him as far as that tier. Najee Harris, I mean, this guy gets the ball a ton. He catches the ball a ton. He runs the ball a ton. I'm curious to see what his weight situation looks like You know, with him. He did finish the fourth last year. I love, I love him as well. He's definitely one of those guys. He's, he's gonna get his share. He had 300, 300 totes last year, so it's, it's still kind of that Pittsburgh weight, like you said, as far as the bell cow, and he is that. Maybe that's the reason why he picked up the weight because he feel like he's taking a little more of a beating. So I love him. He's an RB one. He would be, probably be a first round pick in most drafts, to be honest with you. That's pretty much it on this team, man. I, I think he's gonna really see how, how Mitch Trubisky and, and Mike. Is it Mike Matt Canada? How, yeah, how that Canada. Re- how, yeah, how that relationship works. But I really think I think Mitchell Trubisky can be really good. I really think he can be really good, and I'm, I'm I'm rooting for him. Do you think he can be good enough that Kenny Pickett is kind of put on the back burner for, for another sure. year? Yeah, I don't I don't see Kenny Pickett getting on the field this year unless it's an injury. No, no, no. I said for another year, like as in as in Mitchell Trubisky does well enough to be the Pittsburgh's quarterback. Yeah. Why not? I mean, we've seen Aaron Rodgers. We've seen, I mean, we've seen guys sit for a couple of years, hold a clipboard. You know, I mean, only an injury brought Tom Brady in the fold. You know what I mean? So, yeah, why not? I mean, it's not like Kenny Pick was a first-round pick. This is true. It wasn't like he's was a lottery. You know what I mean? So he was a guy that was picked later in the draft. So Which kind of gives them that ability to say, okay, hold on, calm your jets. We didn't think that he was going to come in and be the savior. Right. And I think Mr. Trubisky is – he, to me, I think he's a talent. He got a chance to go to Buffalo, you know, learn. I think I think he's another guy that just kind of we, – we see what Chicago did at their quarterbacks. How about that? With Fields. Yeah, that's so true. So I think Trubisky was a, a a victim of that. You know what I mean? I really think he has some talent in. Because think about it. In your opinion, in this year's draft that just passed, where would Mitch Trubisky go in this draft? He probably – he probably would have been the first quarterback. You see what I'm saying? 
So there they go. <laughs> so I think he's yeah. I mean, yeah, he probably. I mean, well, <laughs> hell, I mean, the the, the first the, he's in front of the first quarterback pick. So I mean, that 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 kind of tells us where he would have gone in this year's draft. Yeah. So I like him. You know, I, I really think he can do well this year. And I'm just curious to see which wide receiver he's going to have the rapport with. Is it going to be Claypool? Is it going to be Johnson? Is it going to be George Pickens? Don't forget this. They had the rookie Calvin Austin, who also right. was a, a decent wide receiver. So I'm just. I believe you know. he's a slot uh, slot wide receiver as well, if I'm not mistaken. He's he's a. Wasn't he one of the fastest guys, if or the fastest guy or something like that? Yeah, he's a speed guy. You know, I, I think I think that teams like this, you know, uh, listeners, when you're at home. You, you really want to pay, pay attention to the preseason because it can kind of give you an idea on the chemistry. Uh, maybe week three, the third preseason game, when you see most of the you see the, the guys dress out and they play like the first quarter and second quarter. It's a, it's a short, it's a, it's a short sample size, but even that small sample size, you can sometimes get an idea on how the team's going to look moving forward. So I will definitely watch him and see who he has more rapport with because Roethlisberger had it with Deontay. But we don't know. It could be Claypool for Trubisky. Nice. You never really know. So I really will watch and see. And you maybe can still uh, chase Claypool later in your draft versus jumping out getting Deontay. Man, I'm excited for Pittsburgh. And I think, you know, getting the quarterback was the most important part. Relative to fantasy, obviously I'm not going to be looking heavily too much into Pickett. But, I mean, as far as uh, redraft, I'm not looking too, too heavily at Pickett. But I do expect him to play relatively well. It's one of those competitions. We also have to wait out and see. I'm not going to discount what we all know about uh, Mitchell Trubisky. They brought him there for a reason. And I think going to, with Canada is similar to DeBall as far as the offensive philosophy. So I think he's going to pick up. And this is going to be a genuine competition. But nonetheless, as far as a pro-ready quarterback, somebody that's ready to go day one in the NFL, with what we had to pick, because, again, this wasn't the most astand- uh, astounding uh, draft this year, Kenny Pickett was very pro-ready. And going to Pat Fryermuth, love Fryermuth. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to draft him last year. He is a really good tight end. He caught a lot of passes. He had a lot of targets. He just didn't capitalize on some of them. And some some isn't a, a big word that we want to use because he still was productive. But just imagine some of the passes he, he would have caught. He could have been, had done and finished even better. But obviously, he's going to immediately assume more of a role this year because of how productive he was. There's no Ebron there. There's nobody really to challenge him behind him. Zach Gentry got a few passes here and there. But, you know, in a season where they can finally, do you know, make the most of their offense and kind of put more into the offense. Uh, Fry moves the guy. Now going to wide receiver, it gets um, not tricky, but I think it's obvious. Deontay Johnson is going to take another leap this year. The Addison guy who went, who now went to USC was to me, Deontay Johnson. So Kenny Pickett is pretty much getting a reunion with the NFL version of somebody he already played with uh, in Pitt. And Deontay obviously is going to be far more superior as far as maturity and being a wide receiver. So Deontay is going to benefit the most out of this wide receiver core. Uh, Second to that, I think we need to just tell Chase, 
he ended up fighting for his life because George Pickens is fucking nasty. And I think from even with everything that we've been hearing, if you guys are looking at beat writers or local reports coming out of Pittsburgh, he is just dominating and doing a phenomenal job at OTAs and organized other organized team activities. I would not be surprised he's the team's second receiver because to me, it's not we know what Chase can do, but Chase doesn't play to be somebody who's six four, run a four three forty. He plays soft, to my personal opinion. You're not going to so get that out of So do you think he ends up getting traded, or do you think he just ends up moving down the depth chart? I think it's both, bro. I mean, yeah. Chase has okay. all the upside in the world, but it's, I just don't see him being able to compete with somebody as hungry as Pickens. Uh, had Pickens not get injured this year, it's easy to assume that he would have been in, a, in contention as a top five receiver if not top three. And maybe that's me being a Georgia guy, but he's every he's even better of an A.J. Green coming out of college than A.J. Green was. So if that helps somebody kind of – if you can go back in time and kind of look in the time machine, that's George Pickens, but much younger. Who else I like here? Calvin Austin is something – that I wouldn't tell people to get their hopes on, but because, you know, in the season there's injuries, he is a watch list guy in the sense where somebody's going to fall in love still with Chase because Chase still has upside in this offense. Let's be honest. We're going to, somebody's going to grab Deontay, but you definitely want a leg in an offense that's going to pass a, a bunch of this uh, team. So Calvin Austin is just a, for, a flyer for conversation. But again, we've seen Rondell Moore last year, somebody I was high on, be underutilized. So I'm not going to go ahead with Calvin. And lastly, with Najee Harris, there's nobody behind him. It's safe to assume, sign him up for 350 plus touches. I think he had almost 400 this season, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was already on a 400 touch count. But I think they'll try to utilize him more effectively. If I was them, I would. He's a young back at just 22 years old, but he's going to have a phenomenal season. But he's still going to be running for his life because if you look at the offensive line, there are nobodies. But we already know he can catch a ton of passes out of the backfield. He's going to find, you know, some type of daylight and take for two to three yards at a time. And we know he's going to be axed upon to to cash in in the red zone. Like it's nobody there to challenge him for all these touches. And with the team going to be probably bringing in a, a rookie quarterback. Their best friend is obviously, aside from a wide receiver, is the running back. So Najee, to me, is going to definitely finish in the top 10 in fantasy, if not more, because obviously he's going to catch 70 passes. But just on the other side of it, let's say top 10. And that about wraps up the show for this week with your AFC North. Next week, we are going to be going with the NFC North. So we are almost through the divisional breakdown. After the divisional breakdown, we'll get into the nitty-gritty as far as values are concerned, as far as breakouts are concerned, as far as the fantasy guard system, kind of giving you the best way to go about setting up your fantasy teams. We're also going to go through our tiers. The tier episode is going to be very important because Sometimes we get so caught up with names that we forget that there's another guy that the numbers say is just as good as the guy that you're willing to reach for. So that kind of helps shape our draft as well. We'll get you through all of that while we're getting through the dog days of summer. As we enter into the new NFL season, and I promise you every single show is going to give you a little bit more that you maybe need to consider as you get ready for your drafts and also for you dynasty guys, people that are out there on the waiver trades that you may be able to make right now that people are kind of going to be blind to. So you can kind of get a little bit more bang for your buck. 
all of that good stuff and more. But for now, we out.